Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the epistles of John, and we are in 1 John, and we're continuing with our study in chapter 3. I want to go back to uh, verse 18. My little children... Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. And then chapter 4 begins with, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so the thought continues from chapter 3 to chapter 4. And remember the chapter divisions, the verse divisions, are all for uh, convenience sake. They were placed there in recent years so that we could find various passages of scripture without hunting for it through a scroll or through a roll of uh, papyrus. And so verses 23 and 24 of 1 John 3 match up with 1 John 4 and the discussion of spirits, that's lowercase s, and the Spirit of God, uppercase Yes. And so when we take a look at it, and we'll uh, begin studying chapter 4 in earnest in just a moment, we'll see that we are given directions. We know that we're of the truth, and we shall assure our hearts before him. We know because we keep his commandments, and this is his commandment, verse 23, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Assurance is not based upon changeable feelings of the heart, because the heart convicts us sometimes when there's no reason for conviction. But assurance of our salvation must be based upon the testimony of God's word. An assured heart, however, is necessary to gain prayer to be answered. Such assurance can be gained through faith in Christ, the love for the brethren, obedience of Christ's commands, 
and a desire to please Him. It is the witness of the Spirit, not the feelings of the heart, that secures our assurance. And when we understand that, then we know that we have assurance and confidence in Christ based upon what God has done for us. And so we begin reading there in chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, that's a capital S, every spirit, that's the lower S, that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world." They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we see that we shouldn't believe everybody's witness. Not everyone speaks the truth. We are to be sure to try the spirits. It doesn't mean we're out on a testing venture, but it does mean that we are checking them out, and we're to see if they're telling the truth or not. After one believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's assured of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that is, the Spirit which he has given us. But we also know that there are those unholy spirits, the evil spirits, in the world besides the Holy Spirit himself. The evil spirits are the motivating force behind false prophets. False prophets, of course, propagate lies and errors. They teach error as if it's truth. God's people should not fear the false prophets. The Holy Spirit of God gives the wisdom and ability to distinguish between truth and error. And without the Holy Spirit, of course, that would be impossible. The Holy Spirit of God gives us discernment. Now, that's a very important word, discernment. It means that we can look at a situation and have an understanding of it. And it's by the working of the Holy Spirit that we have that understanding. Many good church people have become gullible followers of cults because they have never come to faith in Christ. They have never received the salvation that is theirs through Jesus Christ. And they have never had the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, living within them. And so we see um, different denominations well represented in various cults in the United States and abroad. And it's a sad, sad situation. 
I've talked to people and they'll tell me, oh, I used to be this or I used to be that. I was in this church or I was in that church or denomination or another. And then they went to some sort of a cult or cultic worship. And what they are professing to me, whether they know it or not, is that they never knew Jesus Christ as their Savior and they had never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John here makes an appeal to believers to be extremely careful about what they believe. If you notice the term he uses here, he said, Beloved, beloved, believe not every spirit. He's attacking false teachers. He's not attacking believers, but he's attacking false teachers. As the apostle of love, he reminds us, that in dealing with those who hold views contrary to the scriptures, we shouldn't be harsh and unkind, but we must show forth the love of God. We who have experienced forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and we've experienced God's love through Jesus Christ, we're obligated to reveal it to false teachers as we defend the faith and as we defend the truth. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Don't believe everybody claims he has the truth because they might be false. But we are to take a look and see if the fruit of these teachers is equal to the fruit that God gives to those who are in Christ. And so we have this sound warning and worthwhile warning that's given to us. Now we know that John the apostle, wrote this first epistle to combat the false teaching that was driving its wedge into the church and deceiving the Lord's own at that time. False teaching since the time of John, of course, has multiplied uh, multiplied into hundreds of different forms and cults and groups. Uh, Error has advanced into extreme proportions. And so, with Christian literature, with religious broadcasts, with religious telecasts, with uh, the internet, with uh, devotionals being shared online, uh, etc., we have to be very careful to test everything that is being taught by the Word of God. If we take anyone or anything for granted, we will wind up in error we will wind up in falsehood. Just because somebody speaks glibly or looks like a nice teacher or even dresses nice or whatever does not mean that they're telling the truth. We have to try everything that is said by the teacher, whether they be in our congregation or whether they be on the television or in the, on the internet or on the radio or wherever. We need to test what they're teaching us by the very word of God. If we have a shallow knowledge of the scriptures, we become an easy mark for the cults. If we don't know the Bible, we might embrace false teaching, thinking they were telling us the truth. So if you've come to faith in Christ, even if it were recently that you've come to faith in Christ, you need to be studying God's Word faithfully every day. It's important. If you don't, you'll become a target for the enemy, 
and you have to make sure that you are not a target. What did Paul the Apostle write in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12? He wrote this, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if we're going to stand against these powers of darkness, we've got to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if we're going to avoid false teaching, we're going to have to be in the Word. We're going to have to be devoted to the Word. We're going to have to be in prayer, using the Word to guide our prayer. And here we have in verse 4 that uh, we are to try the spirits. Uh, And then he says, Ye are of God, little children, overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And who is in you? The Spirit of God. God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is in you. And so we know that that is important for us to understand, and that's how we can overcome the world. And I don't want to skip over verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you've heard it should come, and even now already is in the world. And we know that if the, if the person confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, because that comes from the Spirit of God. A rightful place is given to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. No cult or false teacher will teach that the eternal Son of God left the glories of heaven to be born of a virgin, to grow to manhood, and die for the sins of all, believe, all who will believe. That's part of God's Word. And so you need to understand that if they don't confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, then they're part of the system of Antichrist. Now let's go from the epistle of John, 1 John here, to his gospel. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the significant truth of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He went on and said, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that was in verse 14 of John 1. You see, the incarnation of Christ is a fact of supreme importance for the world and certainly for the believer. There are several questions that should be asked when examining the credibility of doctrine. And by the way, we do need to examine the credibility of doctrine. The teachings that people have are important. Is Jesus Christ the eternal Son of God? Did he enter this world by means of a virgin birth? Is he human as well as being very God? If the questions can be answered in the affirmative, there's strong evidence of truth. If not, there's error, and it's probably 
satanically inspired. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It was a plan of God that at the appointed moment of time, God's only begotten Son, who had inhabited eternity with the Father, should humble himself and be clothed with a body of flesh to suffer for the sins of mankind, so that all who believe on him might be saved. It's a paramount, absolutely irrefutable truth of Scripture. If you deny that, then you're an unbeliever. If Christ and the incarnation of Christ are not central in your uh, series of beliefs, in your system of beliefs, it's obvious that it is the spirit of Antichrist, not the Holy Spirit, that you're following. It's against Christ. It's against truth. And for that cause, those who are followers of the Lord should have nothing to do with it. The birth of a child is an important thing for everybody who's concerned. As a grandfather, I can attest to that. As a father, I can attest to that. Every baby born has the potential of making a worthwhile contribution to everyone's existence. But the birth of Jesus Christ exceeds every other birth in importance, for he was born not only to be a Savior, but to be the Savior. The world revolves around Jesus Christ. History is divided by his birth. History is his story, the story of Jesus Christ. By Christ's coming, men are divided into believers and non-believers or unbelievers. Some have ruled their countries. Jesus Christ rules the universe. Man lives his threescore years and ten, if that much, on this earth, and then he falls down dead. But Jesus Christ lives on throughout eternity. A lot of folks have the idea that Jesus Christ was a great teacher, a great leader, a great philosopher, the greatest human being that ever lived. But the Bible goes way beyond that. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. He's the giver and sustainer of all life. Apart from Christ, men will die in their sins and they will perish in the fires of hell. But in Christ, those who place their faith in him will live forever. What think ye of Christ is the question. What a person believes about Jesus Christ will provide the solution as to whether they're a true or a false prophet. Since Christ is the very Son of God, and he was placed in flesh, we who are his followers should be committed to him completely, knowing that he is the eternal Son of God who gave his life for us, demands that we who are in him give our all for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says it this way, Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, 
which is Jesus Christ. He is the bulwark of our faith. Everything we are and have depends upon our relationship to Christ Jesus. Every moment, every hour, every day should be lived for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way. He ruled out selfish living in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. It rules out selfish living, all right. Jesus Christ should be Lord. If he is, we'll prove it to the world by how we live. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumpville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.